0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rick Bonfim Ministries' morning Bible study. As you can see behind me, I'm in uh, Havana, (laughs) hanging out. This is just a this is a fun background to remind you that in October we have a trip to Cuba. If you want to help the Cuban people feel welcome to send us a check, a little offering, maybe some cash to take down to visit our friends with to help the church there in Cuba. Um, they need it. They haven't seen us in a long time and they have been cut off from the world for a little while. So <clears throat> you know, if you if you happen to feel a heart for the people of Cuba, give us a call, uh, send us a letter, send us some money. We'll take it to them. Um let me pray before we get started here. Lord, I thank you for today and for every day, Lord. I, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Help us to um, rightly divide it and use it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, <coughs> this morning, we're going to look at the book of James. We're actually continuing in the book of James, uh, chapter 3. Uh So we start in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. So I want you um, to know this one is kind of a hard word. Um, We're going to go through chapter 3, but it's a hard word for people in the position that we stand in. Um, Really for anyone who desires to be in leadership, in the church, who um, feels a call in their life, this one's for you. Right. In chapter 1, James kind of introduced the concept of controlling your tongue. In that message, John talked about the tongue in the context of our faith and our actions and <clears throat> those faith and actions being in line with each other. So part of the actions, part of the works and the faith Going together is your words, your works, and your faith aligning. So now the stakes get multiplied a little bit, right? James is taking it from the individual responsibility level to a corporate responsibility level. So if anyone desires to lead or claims to lead others, the stakes are higher. <coughs> and here's... um. Here's what James is going to show to us. We're going to start out reading this off, and he's going to show us through this chapter with multiple analogies why the stakes are so high. So let's read it. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are large and are <coughs> driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boast great things <clears throat> so to start out to give you an idea remember we have to we have to keep in mind who James is right James is an apostle and a leader of the of the Christians in Jerusalem right they had a whole council and James is the leader of it <clears throat> he includes himself and he, personally includes himself in the conversation. He doesn't say, if you do this, you, this, you're going to mess up, you all mess up, you this, you that. No, he says we. So he's including himself in, I've probably messed up a couple times, and I'm taking this teaching of my own very seriously. Remember he talked about our faith without working it out is dead. (coughs) So he says, we as teachers are going to be judged more strictly. Now, I think it's important to kind of get an idea here. Um, and, and as I read this, I wanted to point, I wanted to point something out that comes out of, out of Paul. Remember, we've talked a couple of times about how Martin Luther didn't think James and, and Paul were on the same page, right? But they really are. James is talking about teachers here, but I think it goes a little deeper than that, right? In in Ephesians 4, Paul includes teachers in in a larger list, right? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, right? And in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, after he talks about the spiritual gifts, Paul says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets and then teachers right so the apostle and the prophet even have a higher level right but what Paul pointed out in Ephesians and in multiple other places is that those five ministries that work in the church are a gift from Jesus to the church for their teaching their uh, lifting up and their development into maturity so I think the word teacher here for James kind of encompasses a, a larger group of people. We could just say, oh, the person that says they're a teacher is going to be judged more harshly. But really to say the person in ministry, at some point, if you're a leader in ministry, you're going to have to teach people. If you're an apostle, your job is to, to set the mode of everything. So you're going to have to teach how to how to bring that culture right if you're a prophet and you prophesy and you say the lord is bringing this about you're you're a guide to people so you're you're teaching them how to how to move forward in things right <clears throat> and then obviously the blunt straight word teacher the person that that kind of de- helps develop all of these ideas and bring them together and give them to the congregation right that's the third one in this passage so at any level you are some type of a teacher especially if you're taking the role of a leader in the church (coughs) and actually some of the versions of this passage say um, they say this they say um, many should not become teachers and others say you should not presume to be a teacher right you should not just decide oh i'm going to be a teacher and i'm going to take the lead and lead the congregation in this way because you're going to be judged more strictly <coughs> and literally in the in the king james it says instead of teacher it says master right it can be interchanged but that that brings that higher order that we were just talking about right <coughs> And so he says, he says that he, I'm going to repeat it. Do not be called teachers. Sorry. He says this passage about teachers, right? Don't presume yourself to be teachers because you'll judge more strictly. Remember, he's the brother of Jesus, right? He's heard everything that Jesus says. So if you want a good, a good lesson about what James is about to say, I'm gonna recommend a couple of things right here, right out the gate. Look into the Gospel of Matthew. Look at Matthew 23. Look at Matthew 18. And then look at the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Okay, about these things in chapter 3. Here's what Jesus had to say. Jesus says this. I, I believe this is Matthew 18:10. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is saying it's a big deal to become a teacher right because if you use that position to raise yourself up to make yourself be in this position of power, this position of leadership and you, and you get it gets a little too up in here in your head that oh I'm a leader and so I can just say what I want and tell everybody what to do Jesus said actually To be that leader, you must be the servant. And actually, if you're not careful with what you do and how you act with it and how you handle it, you're going to be humbled. What does that mean? Jesus said to the Pharisees, oh, you teachers of law, right? You love to go and sit at the seat of honor. You love it when people pay attention to you. You love these things. Now, what does that that have to do with the power of your tongue? Right? Going back, let's make sure that we stay on the same page, right? My brethren, let not many become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Remember just a second ago, I told you, if you want to look into these things a little deeper, Go into Proverbs. I I looked it up. And I could list off all the Proverbs that speak about being careful with how you use your words. But then I would spend this whole time just reading to you out of the book of Proverbs. There's like a hundred of them in there. I think that's almost literal. But here's here's just one of them. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. See what that said there? If you love the power of your tongue, you will eat the fruit of it. So be careful what you say. You love the power of the tongue, then you need to be really, really careful in your use of words because it has life and death in it that's a big deal you can take people so far down a bad road that it's their life that's in your hands as you speak or so far down a good road that their life is in your hands as you speak and guess what If you're the one using those words to steer somebody towards life or death, you're the one that gets to eat the fruit of it. Ecclesiastes says this, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Right This is a conviction to anybody that's a priest and anybody that that takes a vow in front of God. You need to be careful because God's the one that's judging your words. He's in heaven, you're on earth. Be sure. That your words match his words when you presume to speak his words. Now, if we're talking about the weather, okay, this does not apply, right? If I say, oh, I looked on my phone and it looks like it's going to rain today, I, I hope and pray that nobody thinks I'm prophesying to them. And if it doesn't rain, then I've completely messed up. But it does say be careful when you presume to speak for God. So let's, let's go back. Let's get back to James again, right? My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now here he here comes in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body so james here he just he goes on and he he says look this is where he he relates to the people right this is where he relates to us he says look i'm an apostle you guys come and look to me for answers when when you can't figure things out you come to look to me to ju- for judgments and I'm I'm using the word we here. We all stumble. Not like we all stumble sometimes, here and there. We all stumble in many things, is what James says. So James is saying, look, I'm not better than you. Just because I sit in a council in Jerusalem, I... I mess up, and and one of the one of the biggest ways here is with my words, right? In, in this passage, he he's admitting. Look, I mess up in a lot of things, but we're talking about words here, and James is saying, I've messed up in how I use my words, right? James happened to be. If you read Acts. And you look at when Paul came to speak to the council in Jerusalem about bringing Gentiles into the community of believers, and he had an argument with the guys they called Judaizers. Those are the people that are holding a high standard for the Gentiles. James was on on that side, the Judaizer side, when it, when the whole thing started. And so, as the council met, and as things began to develop, and, and Peter jumped in and said, "Look, Paul's right. You know, the Lord called me to talk to some some Gentiles, and, and he didn't he didn't ask me to do a whole bunch more than than to get them baptized and to see them baptized in the Spirit." Well, James had to change his thoughts. James had to change his words up till then. If you read a little bit about James, just some of the history of him, in in his time as in ministry, he had taken a a very strong pledge, right, to to not drink, to not eat of meat and all kinds of things. And and he he said, look, we we've all messed up. I've messed up, you've messed up. So I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. But He does say If anyone is not Does not stumble in word He's a perfect man Able also to bridle the whole body Which is to say this The one thing that you're most likely to mess up in The one thing that you're most likely to to make a mistake is your words. (coughs) Excuse me. You're most likely, as a leader, to have a problem with what you say. And, And James says, if you do not stumble on your words, then you're perfect. Like, Let's take it away from the idea of man, right? You're a perfect person if you never stumble on your words, if you're perfect in what you say. If you're perfect in what you say, everything else about you, you can control it. You have that much self-control and that much discipline. You can bridle the whole body. Now, that's important, right? That's real important, because if, if he's saying if you can control your speech, then there's nothing else. There's nothing else you have to worry about as far as becoming more righteous, becoming more holy, as becoming uh, more able to use your faith, with the works with proper works that are motivated in love, right? <clears throat> you won't sin with your hands if you can take care of your tongue. That's a big deal. And you can control your whole body. Now, I want to as we move on, I want to I want to keep something in mind here, okay? That as we move on, he starts talking about horses and ships, and fires, and all kinds of other analogies in this part. This is where I believe James moves towards the idea of the church. Okay? Now, many translations say you can bridle your whole body. But this translation that I have here says the whole body. Remember that body of Christ situation? That Paul talked about and here's here's how it goes right he says indeed we put bits in horses mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body I believe right here that he he's making an analogy that shifts from just my whole body to the whole body of Christ Okay, <clears throat> your words open doors in people's hearts your words as a teacher steer the direction of other people remember that whole thing where I talked about Ephesians 4 and those people their job is to guide the church and all their people into the works of ministry and into the maturity of faith, right? That's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, right? So he's saying, for those people that are in that place, your tongue brings self-control if you can control your tongue. But he's also saying, you have the reins. Right, Your job, as someone that's in ministry, as someone who, is a, who is, has one of those five callings from Jesus, is to steer. It's to steer the congregation. It's to steer the church. It's to move not only you, but people, towards righteousness, towards repentance, and towards the greater things of God. Right, And again, remember, Jesus is James' brother, right? If you want to read the passage that talks a lot about this and about how the, how the teachers of the law in Jesus' time, while Jesus was still alive, messed up in this area. Look at, um, look at Matthew, Matthew 23, 13, says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go yourself nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, long outward prayers, not like close your eyes and you say the prayer in your head. No. For a pretense, you make this big long prayer and you're injuring widows while you're making a big long prayer about how you love them and, and you're going to serve them and you're going to help them and the Lord Lord help them out. Remember that back here in James where it says uh, you go by someone that's in need and you say, oh, grace be to you, I'll pr- I'll be praying for you, have fun with that, right? <clears throat> and Jesus says, because you do these things, because of the way you use your words for these new believers, and because of the way that you, you pray to cover your tracks after you've mistreated people, you will receive greater condemnation. Then then Jesus says in verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel, land and sea, to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as as yourself, by your teachings. You're teaching these new converts, and you go ahead and just multiply all of your bad into the people that you're discipling. And the last one here is Matthew 18.6 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Remember at the beginning I said this is a, this is a hard word for any of us who would even try to presume to be teachers. Pastors, preachers, leaders in our churches. Our tongue is the bridle in the mouth of the church. Or the ministry that we're in. Or in the mission field. Or to those you disciple. However, whatever group, whatever size of group that you're put in charge of, that the Lord gives you. Charge over. That's you, right? You have you have the reins in this analogy, and you can move the whole body of Christ one way or the other with a good word or a bad word. And then here's one closest to my heart. We're we're looking uh, looking over the ocean, you know, here, and and James goes on to say, "Look at the ships." although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. <clears throat> Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, right? Here's something I'm going to take out of this, right? This ship thing. you know, I grew up by the water. I know what it is to see a, a big storm come in. And to see um, boats that are out of control. Boats that are driven by fierce winds. I, I grew up with water surrounding me on every side. Right near the ocean, the Chesapeake Bay, and these large rivers that are like a mile wide. You'll see boats all the time. And one thing you'll see if you travel on the water a lot is people that get into uh, some storms or some wind, and it throws their boat off course. Now, if you know how to steer the boat correctly, you can keep your boat from tipping over, right? You You can move back and forth with the wind in a sailboat or a regular boat and not have the boat flip upside down. But if you're not careful... With the way you steer the rudder or the motor or however it is that you steer, you can get sideways right up into the wind and fall for it. This is what James is talking about. The enemy can come in to your life and the power of your tongue and start knocking you around or knocking your congregation around, and that's how the devil gets in. Right? All of a sudden the waves aren't just waves crashing in the front of the boat and you're going into them and you're you're going over them, now you're sideways to them and it's just overtaking you. This is what James is talking about. See, they he, he lived with those guys that were, were fishermen. Peter and all those other guys, right? <clears throat> he knew what it was to be on a boat. He saw it out there. He saw boats that would sink in the middle of that Lake of Galilee because a big storm would come up. Now, if you keep your head, and you move the rudder right, and you get things situated, most of the time you can get yourself out of trouble. That's the rudder of the tongue. Being careful, speaking well, doing right. Now, that, that like I said, that's a hard word, right? That's a hard word. If you mess up, you can take the whole ship down with you. And a lot of times, that's happening these days, right? There are pastors in places, especially um, in our UMC right now, that will stand in a pulpit and tell you that Jesus was not the Son of God. Oh, that's judgment right there. That's steering the ship wrong in in the middle of the waves. (coughs) That's letting the enemy get in and sink the boat. But here's the good news. James started out with the good news. He said, we all stumble in many things. Right? The tongue is powerful as a a steering mechanism. The great thing is, there's always today. Right? Right? James says, I messed up. I can't sometimes control my tongue properly. But the tongue is like a rudder. You can steer it, get yourself back right, and go into the waves, and instead of them coming over the side and drowning you out, you can get it back right. But you need to be careful. So let me pray for us as we go. Lord, I thank you for today and every day. Lord, I, I thank you, um Lord, I thank you for the the easy words that you give, the grace that you give us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your your gentle correction, Lord. Lord, bring us conviction where you'd have us be convicted. And bring us mercy and grace where you'd bring it to us, Lord. Lord, help us to um to correct our course Lord if we've said things that, that have hurt people if we've said things that have taken us off course Lord if we've said things that bring the enemy into our remembrance and into um, our thoughts and we're repeating those lies in our life Lord I just ask that you break them off in Jesus name I thank you Lord for your healing and your wholeness in the name of Jesus Amen Crescia beleza, força e luz, rosa de xarol, queima a impureza do meu ser.